Welcome to Acquisitions Anonymous, the internet's number one podcast about small business buying, investing, and thinking. Uh, and by the way, I change that every week, but that's pretty much what we do. We do a case study of a business each week, and then we talk about it and make jokes. So it's great radio as far as I'm concerned. Today's episode is super fun. We did a flight school and repair center located in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey, uh, and we went all kinds of places in the general aviation world, and it was super fun, and it's a great way for you to consider or maybe, just maybe, being the one crazy person this year who moves to the middle of nowhere in New Jersey and decides to make a million dollars a year talking about and working on airplanes. And here it is. Hey, Michael here. Want to talk to you about today's sponsor for the episode, uh, which is cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, so cloud bookkeeping is actually run by my neighbor, Charlie. So I've met him in person and uh, can attest that he's a real human being and a good person. Uh, and what cloud bookkeeping does is offer a full suite of bookkeeping services uh, all in the cloud uh, for you around QuickBooks and other technologies that you're using as a small business owner. Uh, so if you're interested in getting the bookkeeping part of running a business off of your plate and focusing on running your business, uh, Charlie and his team are one to call. Um, they can put together a bunch of other stuff in terms of helping you manage and grow your business besides just bookkeeping, um, sophisticated reporting, uh, definitely helping you get your QuickBooks online set up in the right way, uh, and a number of things around payroll as well. So uh, definitely know them and recommend them. If you want to find out more about cloud bookkeeping, um, you can go to their website at cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, reach out to Charlie. I know many of you have uh, and see if he can help you uh, make your running your business easier and more fun by uh, letting them help with a lot of the bookkeeping solutions. So, uh, and when you call, mention this podcast, uh, it would help us uh, and help Charlie know uh, that we're supporting him as well. So thanks a bunch and cloudbookkeeping.com uh, as the sponsor for today's episode. Bill, I have a question for you. Yes, hit me. On a scale of one to 10, how angry are you compared to the last episode? I've mellowed out after I took out some, some of my wrath on the prior deal. Uh, I've mellowed out, but it's been a week. You know, it has been almost a whole week since our last episode. And if by week, you mean we just finished recording the previous one. So listeners, here's part of our secret to, I will tell you right now, the secret we have to being consistent on getting two of these out a week is we actually, we actually have two one hour recording sessions per week. There is no prep required except Mirko does some. And then we record two each one, two each session. So even if we miss a session, we record two episodes. And then there's three of us. So sometimes two of us make it and we record it, record an episode. So that's how we manage to stay consistent and deliver, I guess, a hundred episodes a year. Now, Bill, that feels a little crazy compared to when we started. Yeah. Michael, you're, you're pulling back the curtain on our, all of our podcast production secrets. All, the, all, all except for one. I think it's obvious there's no prep. <laughs> No prep. Well, I look, the more important one, if you start a podcast, I tell everybody this, like it needs to be fun because unless you're Joe Rogan or Bill Simmons or one of those guys, uh, it is almost impossible for it to be super lucrative. And so you just need to make sure it's fun when you do this. And hopefully the cool thing about making it fun is that goes through the microphone. That's the other thing I've learned. Like when you do a podcast, if you have fun recording it and you like your co-host, people understand that. And so like, like Bill and I think, and it mills the same way, like I show up and I look forward to these because it's a ton of fun. And that's like, do whatever you're doing is fun. If it feels like work, it will definitely feel like work because it's not, you're not going to earn enough money doing it to make it worthwhile. Facts. Although we have a goal to significantly increase our revenue this year. Yes. Please give us money. We're desperate. 
Uh, we did make we did make some money last year, though. I did the math and I made thirty bucks per hour, which is not great. So I might as well become an aircraft pilot. Do you know a place I could become an aircraft pilot? Hmm, I might have one for you, Michael. Would you like to hear about it? Yes. <laughs> so in our showcase today, uh, we have actually a pretty cool deal. Uh, so it is an aircraft service center and flight training school. It's SBA approved. Uh, it has $1.1 million of annual revenue and $810,000 of annual cash flow. This might take the cake for maybe best margins we've ever seen on the pod. Uh, 80% plus here, pretty solid. They want $2.45 million for it. So 3X, not too shabby. Uh, it is located in Mercer County, New Jersey. Um, they... So this is, it seems like it's split into kind of two businesses. One is the aircraft service center and they've priced both of these separately. So I guess you could buy each or the other, not sure, but the aircraft service center does $1.2 million of revenue and 350 K of cash flow, while the flight training school does $1.1 million of revenue and $460,000 of cash flow. The thing that is weird is that the cash flow numbers add up, but the revenue numbers do not. Um, so I actually think I actually think the gross revenues of this business are two point three million dollars and it earns eight hundred and ten thousand dollars of cash flow. So revoking the the title of best margins ever on the pod. Still pretty good though. Uh eight hundred K of cash flow on two point three million dollars of revenue, and they want two point four five million dollars for it. So this is the the industry's premier East Coast service center for aircraft. The company is a one-stop aircraft service center conveniently no located at central New Jersey's airport. The company is known for its high quality of work and knowledge. The business has been serving customers annually as far north as Maine and as far south as Alabama. The company is a factory authorized Mooney service center. Mooney is a brand of airplane. Uh, and its continued growth over the years is largely the result of its reputation with Mooney owners. Over 50% of the business focuses on its loyal following of Beechcraft, Cessna, and Piper owners. Um, services include annual inspections and maintenance, pre-purchase evaluations and inspections, major airframe structural and sheet metal repairs, aircraft new weight and balance calculations, glass and speed modifications, upholstery and carpet refurbishment, custom instrument panels and upgrades, fuel tank repairs, and ferry slash recovery. The flight school has been in business for 14 years and services students and renters in the tri-state area. There are two full-time dispatchers and a total of 12 instructors who communicate, educate, and provide high-quality flight instruction. They have long-standing partnerships with the Flight School Association of North America, Republic Airways, and Piedmont Airways have helped keep our company extremely busy. They are hyper-focused on client retention and acquiring new students with little advertising other than social media platforms. I don't know where else one advertises these days anyway, but okay. Uh, and the excellent support staff is in place to assist students, renters, and future pilots during their aviation journey. They are selling for retirement reasons. So another school on the pod. What do you think, Michael? There's a lot to like about this. And I know I don't know if you guys have noticed as our listeners, the new thing we're trying is not to start pooping on the deals immediately. So we save the poop for later because we're getting a <laughs> reputation. <laughs> but there's a lot to like about this. So a couple, I think a couple facts worth worth noting. Uh, Republic Airways and Piedmont, 
um, those are those are airlines that are very big, but people don't know about those things because like Republic, for example, when you fly, let's say you fly United, right? And it says you fly on a plane that says United, it could be run by United Airlines or it could be run by another airline for United Airlines. And so like United Express gets run by somebody like this Republic company. Like they run, they run the down market kind of stuff. Very often you can see it on the fuselage or even on your ticket, like uh, by, by Republic Airways, American Airlines outsources a ton to Republic. Ton of stuff. So like, yeah, and generally the way to tell is if you're in a small ass airplane, probably it's being run by Republic it has a propeller or like, you know, busted up stuff or one of these guys, like they're low cost and they run the small planes on behalf of American. And a lot of those pilots are in there getting their hours so they can eventually go run the flagship stuff. Right. And like, there's a whole, there's a whole unique kind of world of the way seniority works and how you get the best routes. And like, you can go and kind of tell when you're flying an airline, like let's say you go overseas, the most desirable routes you'll you'll go in there, and I've gone on some with like American, and the flight attendants and pilots are all like in their sixties and seventies because they're the most senior routes, right? And you think about it, like the the people working for these airlines, uh, they only get paid when the airplane is flying. So do you want to do San Antonio to Houston, which is a thirty five minute flight over and over again, or do you want to do Paris to L A? which by the way, you get to lay over in Paris and LA, like those are, so you kind of deal with that kind of stuff. So anyway, so a lot of times what drives these little schools like this are people who want to be professional pilots. So they will start as students and then they will oftentimes become instructors because that's, I believe that's another way you can get your flight hours. And then once you get a certain number of flight hours, only then can you go get your commercial pilot license. And it's this whole kind of like thing that you do, but you start oftentimes at these kind of um, schools like this. So look, I think the thing, by the way, that was just a huge rant. So I will pause now, Bill, go ahead. I, I love this because, and by the way, let's just start with buyer business fit. I have Googled it and I think I have figured out who it is. Um, it operate, and I don't know if I feel like we should drop their name on the pod or not, but it operates out of central New Jersey. It is obvious from their website that the founder, the guy who's retiring, I believe him. He is retiring. He looks like he's older now, but he has been in aircraft like forever for decades. Like there's a picture of him, the Wright brothers. It, yes. It's the owned by the Wright brothers. <laughs> uh, but like he is, there's a picture of him, like getting out of a small prop airplane, like on the picture in the hangar, like it's clear, like this is his whole world, right? Like he lives probably nearby. Like, man, if you're an aviation dork, this has got to be the coolest business to own. I can imagine. Right. Uh, totally. But by the way, by the way, I don't know if you could tell, but one thing I've learned about myself as I reach middle age is routinely I will be the person at a dinner and somebody will, somebody will ask a question like, you know, what happened with Southwest Airlines or why did the, well, how did, what is a collateralized debt obligation? And then I'm, I realize I'm prepared to give a 20 minute lecture on how it all works. True thing I've learned in middle age, Bill, true thing I've learned in middle age, Bill. No, I'm still in the middle of a shaggy dog. Sorry, please. <laughs> But true thing I've learned is some people don't want to hear 15 minute lectures. They're just asking rhetorically to start a conversation. So anyway, that's so now now routinely somebody will say, like, what happened to Southwest Airlines? And I'll go, do you really want to know? Okay, my wife's eyes will get like like saucers. She'll be like, I know you got to make know. sure you really want to know because you're you're they know <laughs> they're going to figure it out. They know. Anyway, so, yeah, I think this is like. Like if you're going to get into a business like this, like this is precisely one where you need to love 
all of this general aviation stuff, right? Like I have buddies that are into it and I, I don't know if I told you, Bill, I actually went and considered getting a private pilot license and did the whole tour and like hung out in places like this, costed it out. I mean, the cost is fine. I mean, I ended up not doing it because I realized when you try to become a private pilot, there's this inflection point where you need to make sure you spend a, a, a minimum amount of time flying and developing yourself and making sure your plane isn't gonna fall out of the out of the sky or you run a very high risk of killing yourself. And that's what I realized like, oh, you know what? I should just be riding bicycles where the biggest risk I run is running into a tree, which is much different than, hey, I just ran out of gas over the Gulf of Mexico, which is definitely a girdly problem that could happen. Um, but like the guys that hang around these places, like you have to be wanting to be part of this whole thing. You have to love to talk about aviation. You have to be very excited to, you know, deal with the difference between a Cessna 172 aileron and the 172B. And should you turbocharge it? And what kind of paint should you use? Like aircraft weight and balance calculations. You have to love that stuff to get into this business, but it has the best thing about it, which is like people die or live based on how well that airplane performs. And uh, that causes them to spend money to make sure it's done very, very right, both from an operation standpoint and from an equipment standpoint. Yep. Yep. Now, I also love about this business, you know, it seems like they've got some certification from Mooney and some uh, some reputation out there. I mean, it's been open for decades, you know, and people that are in this industry, you know, private pilots, they're almost like intense hobbyists, too. Like they're probably used to stopping here. They gas up. They know if they got a problem, I'll just go over to to these guys in Central Jersey and they'll take care of my aircraft uh, on their website. They're brokering lots of aircraft for sale. Like it's clear that like they've got their fingers in every little thing uh, in kind of the Northeast or, or the East Coast around, you know, aircrafts this size. Um, there is, and you're, you're in a good place. You're halfway between Philly and New York, you know, in central Jersey, great place to stop away from the very crowded airports. So anyway, I'm sorry to start talking over you again with a girdly dinner lecture. Unlike the prior episode that we did where I could just call the franchisor and get another franchise. It's very hard for me to open up an entire airport next to you and compete, right? Like there's, there's definitely some lock in here. There's a moat, I would think now, not that there aren't other airports, but they're probably not making a lot of new airports. I mean, I, I even wonder like when the most recent airport in the entire United States was built. It sounds like a zoning uh, environmental nightmare. Um, so I think there's probably about as many as these things as they're going to be. Is that right? It's actually super. It's super easy, actually. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, I, we, you just get enough land, you can start an airport anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm being reasonable within FAA regulation and all that stuff. But like literally like um, – you know, there's, you, you just go build an airstrip and there's people that do this too. Like you, um, you can build basically an airstrip out in the middle of nowhere. And then you like, you can build houses around it. So people have these like fly in cottages. One of my old bosses used to do that. He would fly from San Francisco up to Oregon and it was really super neat. Um, and our, our buddy who owns, um, owns freight waves, he's doing precisely that in terms of his development. Um, Craig and his team doing it out in, uh, in Tennessee, they're like building like a 200, 200 acre complex where you can like have an airport and fly in and hang out with the other airport nerds. Uh, he owns flying magazine too, which is like super cool. Um, but I think you bring back this point, which is like, it, it ties back to like, why do like the guys who own the Toyota dealerships, why do they own 
uh, NBA teams and the guys who are doing like the used car sales on the side of the road. Why do they like drive jalopies? And the reason is, is because of this, the nature of this branded stuff, like they're a deal. These guys are theoretically a dealer for Mooney parts. So if you own a Mooney plane and you don't want your engine to stop when you're out over the Gulf of Mexico, or in this case, the Atlantic Ocean, are you going to save $3 to buy a slightly cheaper part from a, an OEM who made it off the shelf? Or are you going to go buy an authorized Mooney part? And like that gives you so much margin. If you're the only place that's selling Mooney parts in the area, like it's just great. And it's the same reason why the Toyota dealers are rich and I'm not right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's because, because of precisely that, like you don't want your Toyota to run into a, to run, you know, to run into a, a brick wall. Like you're definitely going to buy the factory made like Toyota, you know, eyesight equivalent type thing or steering wheel. Um, and same thing goes here. Um, in terms of this service center, which I think is, you know, if you look at it like cash flow wise, like pretty darn good in terms of what they're doing, right? 350,000 in cash flow for an $850,000 price, like solid. I like, I like that. Yeah. Uh, let, let's touch on not just the service center, but the flight school, because I think there's a lot to like here, especially at the bottom of the listing where they talk about how they are partnered with Republic and Piedmont Airways. And they've just got a steady stream of new students showing up to take their flight school. Like that is the gravy train right there. Yeah. Well, and then some of these schools are credited if, if memory serves. So you can actually do um, Title IV funding, which is kind of the government back loans for this stuff. So that can be really interesting. Then there's a never ending like just like stream of middle-aged dudes mostly. I mean, I know there's ladies, but it's, this is mostly a male-oriented hobby who are coming in, dropping $500,000 or more on a plane, and they need to learn how to not kill themselves and totally nerd out about it. Um, and that could be 25, 50 or more $100,000 in terms of, you know, training that you need to buy to go through all of ground school, you know, your basics, instrument, dual engine, if you decide to do that kind of stuff. Like those are all things where people can spend some real money on it. And then the other interesting side of it, Bill, I think is they talk about having 12 instructors. Like there are a bunch of old grizzly dudes who have been instructors forever. And like, they know they don't make much money doing this, but man, they love just getting in there and helping people become, you know, a flyer like them. Uh, and it's just really interesting when you see it happen. What, Michael, what do you think, where do you think this industry kind of hobby private aviation is going? Because you, you mentioned it's a bunch of young middle-aged to older guys. You know, I don't hear of a lot of 25 to 35 year olds, you know, getting their, their flight license. Like, uh, or where do you think, like, does this, is this a dying industry? Is it a growing industry? Is it flat? I don't know how to really forecast, you know, the future of hobby aviation. Are you, so you're saying millennials are to blame for this too? Is that what you're saying? The millennials are killing private aviation. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Look, I mean, here's, I think there's, there's some reasons to be pessimistic about a business like this, which is like, just like you said, like there's a lot of boomers, they're pilots, they own planes, you know, who's going to step in and do it. It's kind of like the, the classic, you know, an, an antique car hobby. Have you ever, have you kind of seen what's happening with that? No. Gen X, which is my generation. You're, are you a millennial or did we cover you? Don't Gen X? lump me in with that. Um, sadly I am. Uh, I'm, so I'm 37, which puts me like, you know, two to three years. I was a millennial before they had invented the term. I'm technically, I'm like an elder. Oh, okay. Millennial. So you know what you're, 
You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to call yourself a zenial or geriatric millennial, yes. which by the way, if you insist on doing that, it totally qualifies you as a geriatric millennial. It's the people born 80 to 85. That's me. Uh, which you just, I think, barely qualify. Yep. Yeah. And you, it's, you can tell somebody's a geriatric millennial or an old millennial because you say, Hey, are you a millennial? And it, and the initial thing is that every geriatric millennial says is don't let me in with those. Yeah. People. There you go. Exactly. That's what, all say. <laughs> That's what you all say. That's exactly and what you we know, say. It's just a, you got yeah don't don't love me with those losers it's, i do i work for a living which is best, by the way whatever best Gen X generation because you were born early enough to have like a social media free childhood but late enough to be technologically savvy like we were we are like the last ones where their child our childhoods were not like completely ruined by the internet and social media i hear you <laughs> anyway so okay so you got all these boomers that own planes and like they're they're doing their thing and then gen x is pretty small um and i have a lot of my friends you know are are pilots and are messing around with this stuff which is which is totally there and i think it's remained pretty consistent there and then the great thing i think for this industry is millennials are just getting to a point right now where you guys are starting to make a bunch of bunch of money i can't believe you just you guys me <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm it's, lumped me in a, you you know about you love there are, there are judgment free zones. <laughs> this is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, this is whatever whatever a judgment free zone is. You ain't in it anyway. So anyway, your your terrible generation of of lazy people um, is uh, is but it's really big. Like there's a bunch of you. There's a bunch of you. Like you're the second biggest generation behind the boomers. Um, there's a, and you, you're getting ready to have a bunch of money and more time, right? Your kids are pretty young right now. You're going to start looking like me where like, I, I will go out and bike ride for four hours in the morning and come back and my kids will still be asleep. Right. Cause it's like they're, they're teenagers. That's what they do. So like, I think that there's a lot of reason to be very optimistic about this. The rate may not be very high for millennials wanting to get into aviation, but you guys are starting to hit the time in which this generation is going to have a bunch of money and is going to have a bunch of time to spend on this, which is the biggest problem with general aviation. You have to spend hundreds of hours of year to make sure you don't kill yourself, which is kind of the calculus that I did and why I didn't do it. I was like, Oh, this is terrible. Yeah, no, me too. But like the convenience though, I mean, so like I have friends that, that own their own, own planes makes them sound very douchey, but like, we're talking about like these things cost less than a hundred grand. They're like flying tin cans. Right. But it's so convenient. Like you can be like, do you want to go to DC for lunch? You know, and you can just go, uh, and you're there in an hour or so. Like it's amazingly convenient. You can go to rural places where there's without good airports, you can live in a rural place and like take a, take your own plane to a, uh, to a larger airport. It, I mean, it seems like a freaking cheat code for life, except occasionally you die. Um, and sadly, one of my friends did die in a private aviation air. He crashed his airplane. So it totally happens. Totally happens. Uh, that's why I didn't do it. Yeah. yeah. This, that's a problem for this, like super dangerous. Um, Okay, so there is a solution for this, but you have to throw a little bit of money at the problem. Here's the solution. You own one of these planes, okay? But you see those 12 instructors that this school has? Those people are happy to get paid to fly. And they it is legal for you to pay them to fly you in your plane to wherever you want to go. And so I know a guy here in San Antonio. Listen to this story, Bill. You'll appreciate this quality of life. He owns a plane here in San Antonio. It's a twin engine prop plane and it, he lives here in San Antonio. Well, guess what? He wants to make a bunch of money. So he owns a law firm in Dallas 
he has somebody, one of his, one of the instructors at one of these schools flies him up in his plane, 45 minutes, drops him off at the Addison airport or the Dallas Love Field airport. He has a car there. He drives to his office, spends the night in his apartment, four nights a week, and then flies back on Friday morning because the guy who's his instructor flies him up there, drops him off, flies the plane back, parks it, and then does the same thing again twice a week. So he basically spends probably three times what he would spend uh, if he was doing that on Southwest Airlines without all the delays and mess. Uh, but he basically saves like 80% of the time and 100% of the convenience. So like, that's the hack. And I know people that do this, including this guy. That And it doesn't seem that expensive. Like, because these planes can cost, you know, less than 100 grand um, easily. It's uh, And it's the crazy thing about planes. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, and so what? Then you got to buy a used car on the other end. So like you can set this thing yeah. up for probably a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and then it's just the cost of the guy's time and gas. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the crazy thing about planes is you can get one for 25 grand or you can get one for 25 million and everything in between. It's not like, it's not like cars. Like it's just this crazy thing. Like you go on some of the, the listing sites for these planes and you're like, how's this $25,000? It's because it's a 1955 Piper Cub and it hasn't been updated since then. So good luck. <laughs> good luck with whatever you're going to be flying it. But yeah, it's, it's not as stupid as expensive as people think, but it's not, I mean, it's not nothing. Yep. Sweet. Well, I like this one. I mean, it's, I think that if, for the right person, if you're in aviation and you live in New Jersey, you're gonna make, you want to make a million dollars a year nerding out about airplanes. Uh, this is SBA pre-approved. It's probably stable. Rock and roll. Uh, super fun. I mean, except for the fact you got to live in rural New Jersey. It sounds great. Uh, that's why I qualified. You already live in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, let's wrap this one up. This one will be in the newsletter if you want to check it out. It's located in Mercer County, New Jersey. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, including me insulting Bill for being a millennial, uh, please do me a favor and open up your podcast app uh, and leave us a review, hopefully something that rhymes with Jive Stars. Uh, and please consider uh, shopping with or telling somebody about our sponsor for today, which is Cloud Bookkeeping. Uh, they have been a great, super duper supporter of us. Um, they pay for a lot of the production we're doing, so you don't hear us you know, sneezing into the microphones and stuff. So um, anyway, review Cloud Bookkeeping, and we'll see you next week.